Section 47 of Essays, Book 1. This is LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Max Schörlinge. Essays, Book 1 by Michel de Montaigne. Translated by Charles Cotton. Chapter 47 Of the Uncertainty of Our Judgment. Well, says this verse, there is everything much liberty of speech. Iliad, Book 20, 249. For example, Hannibal conquered but knew not how to make the best use of his victorious venture. Petrarch, son, 83. Such as would improve this argument, and condemn the oversight of our leaders in not pushing home the victory at Montcontour, or accuse the king of Spain of not knowing how to make the best use of the advantage he had against us at San Quentin, may conclude these oversights to proceed from a soul already drunk with success, or from a spirit which, being full and overgorged with this beginning of good fortune, had lost the appetite of adding to it, already having enough to do to digest what he had taken in. He has his arms full, and can embrace no more, unworthy of the benefit fortune has conferred upon him, and the advantage she has put into his hands. For what utility does he reap from it, if, notwithstanding, he gives his enemy respite to rally and make head against him? What hope is there that he will dare at another time to attack an enemy reunited and recomposed, and armed anew with anger and revenge, who did not dare to pursue them when routed and unmanned by fear? Dum fortuna calet, dum conficit omnia terror. Whilst fortune is fresh, and terror finishes all. Lucan, Book 7, 734 But withal, what better opportunity can he expect than that he has lost? It is not here, as in fencing, where the most hits gain the prize, for so long as the enemy is on foot, the game is new to begin, and that is not to be called a victory that puts not an end to the war. In the encounter where Caesar had the worst, near the city of Oricum, he reproached Pompey's soldiers that he had been lost, had their general known how to overcome, and afterwards clawed him in a very different fashion when it came to his turn. But why may not a man also argue, on the contrary, that it is the effect of a precipitous and insatiate spirit not to know how to bound and restrain its coveting, that it is to abuse the favours of God to exceed the measure he has prescribed them, and that again to throw a man's self into danger after victory obtained is again to expose himself to the mercy of fortune, that it is one of the greatest discretions in the rule of war not to drive an enemy to despair? Sylla and Marius in the social war, having defeated the Martians, seeing yet a body of reserve that, prompted by despair, was coming on like enraged brutes to dash in upon them, thought it not convenient to stand their charge. 
had not Monsieur de Foix's ardour transported him so furiously to pursue the remains of the victor at Ravenna, he had not obscured it by his own death. And yet the recent memory of his example served to preserve Monsieur d'Anguillem from the same misfortune at the battle of Cerisoles. It is dangerous to attack a man you have deprived of all means to escape but by his arms, for necessity teaches violent resolutions. Gravissimi sunt morsus irritate necessitatis. Irritated necessity bites deepest. Portius Latro, declam. Vincitur haud gratis, jugulo qui provocat hostem. He is not readily beaten who provokes the enemy by shewing his throat, or he who presents himself to his foe sells his life dear. Lucan, Book 4, 275 This was it that made Pharax withhold the king of Lacedaemon, who had won a battle against the Mantineans, from going to charge a thousand Argians, who had escaped in an entire body from the defeat, but rather let them steal off at liberty, that he might not encounter valour, wetted and enraged by mischance. Clodomir, king of Aquitaine, after his victory pursuing Gondomar, king of Burgundy, beaten, and making off as fast as he could for safety, compelled him to face about and make head, wherein his obstinacy deprived him of the fruit of his conquest, for he there lost his life. In like manner, if a man were to choose whether he would have his soldiers richly and sumptuously accounted, or armed only for the necessity of the matter in hand, this argument would step in to favour the first, of which opinion was Sertorius, Philopsimon, Brutus, Caesar, and others, that it is to a soldier an inflaming of courage, and to spur himself in brave attire, and withal a motive to be more obstinate in fight, having his arms, which are in a manner his estate and whole inheritance to defend, which is the reason, says Xenophon, why those of Asia carried their wives and concubines, with their choicest jewels and greatest wealth, along with them to the wars. But then these arguments would be as ready to stand up for the other side, that a general ought rather to lessen in his men their solicitude of preserving themselves than to increase it, that by such means they will be in a double fear of hazarding their persons, as it will be a double temptation to the enemy to fight with great resolution where so great booty and so rich spoils are to be obtained. And this very thing has been observed in former times, notably to encourage the Romans against the Samnites. Antiochus, shewing Hannibal the army he had raised, wonderfully splendid and rich in all sorts of equipage, asked him if the Romans would be satisfied with that army. Satisfied? replied the other. Yes, doubtless, were the avarice never so great. Lycurgus not only forbade his soldiers all manners of bravery in their equipage, but, moreover, to strip their conquered enemies, because he would, as he said, that poverty and frugality should shine with the rest of the battle. At sieges and elsewhere, where occasion draws us near to the enemy, we willingly suffer our men to brave, 
rate and affront him with all sorts of injurious language and not without some color of reason for it is of no little consequence to take from them all hopes of mercy and composition by representing to them that there is no fair quarter to be expected from an enemy they have incensed to that degree nor other remedy remaining but in victory and yet vitellius found himself deceived in this way of proceeding for having to do with otho weaker in the valour of his soldiers long unaccustomed to war and effeminated with the delights of the city he so nettled them at last with injurious language reproaching them with cowardice and regret for the mistresses and entertainments they had left behind at rome that by this means he inspired them with such resolution as no exhortation had had the power to have done and himself made them fall upon him with whom their own captains before could by no means prevail and indeed when they are injuries that touch to the quick it may very well fall out that he who went but unwillingly to work in the behalf of his prince will fall to it with another sort of metal when the quarrel is his own considering of how great importance is the preservation of the general of an army and that the universal aim of an enemy is levelled directly at the head upon which all the others depend the course seems to admit of no dispute which we know has been taken by so many great captains of changing their habit and disguising their persons upon the point of going to engage nevertheless the inconvenience a man by doing so runs into is not less than that he thinks to avoid for the captain by this means being concealed from the knowledge of his own men the courage they should derive from his presence and example happens by degrees to cool and to decay and not seeing the wanted marks and signs of the leader they presently conclude him either dead or that despairing of the business he has gone to shift for himself and experience shows us that both these ways have been successful and otherwise what befell pyrrhus in the battle he fought against the consul levinus in italy will serve us to both purposes for though by shrouding his person on the armour of megacles and making him wear his own he undoubtedly preserved his own life yet by that very means he was withal very near running into the other mischief of losing the battle alexander caesar and lucullus loved to make themselves known in battle by rich accouterments and armour of a particular lustre and colour Agis, Agesilaus, and the great Gilippus, on the contrary, used to fight obscurely armed, and without any imperial attendance or distinction. Amongst other oversights, Pompey is charged withal at the Battle of Pharsalia. He is condemned for making his army stand still to receive the enemy's charge, by reason that, I shall here steal Plutarch's own words, which are better than mine, he by so doing deprived himself of the violent impression the motion of running adds to the first shock of arms and hindered that clashing of the combatants against one another which is wont to give them greater impetuosity and fury especially when they come to rushing with their utmost vigour the courages increasing by the shout and the career tis to render the soldier's ardour as a man may say more reserved and cold this is what he says but if caesar had come by the worse why might it not as well have been urged by another that on the contrary 
the strongest and most steady posture of fighting is that wherein a man stands planted firm without motion and that they who are steady upon the march closing up and reserving their force within themselves for the push of the business have a great advantage against those who are disordered and have already spent half their breath in running on precipitately to the charge besides that an army is a body made up of so many individual members it is impossible for it to move in this fury with so exact a motion as not to break the order of battle and that the best of them are not engaged before their fellows can come on to help them in that unnatural battle betwixt the two persian brothers the lacedaemonian clearchus who commanded the greeks of cyrus party led them on softly and without precipitation to the charge but coming within fifty paces heard them on full speed hoping in so short a career both to keep the order and to husband their breath and at the same time to give the advantage of impetuosity and impression both to their persons and their missile arms others have regulated this question as to their armies thus if your enemy come full drive upon you stand firm to receive him if you stand to receive you run full drive upon him in the expedition of the emperor charles v into provence king francis was put to choose either to go meet him in italy or to await him in his own dominions wherein though he very well considered of how great advantage it was to preserve his own territory entire and clear from the troubles of war to the end that being unexhausted of its stores it might continually supply men and money at need that the necessity of war requires at every turn to spoil and lay waste the country before us which cannot very well be done upon one's own to which may be added that the country people do not so easily digest such a havoc by those of their own party as from an enemy so that seditions and commotions might by such means be kindled amongst us that the license of pillage and plunder which are not to be tolerated at home is at great ease and refreshment against the fatigues and sufferings of war and that he who has no other prospect of gain than his bare pay will hardly be kept from running home being but two steps from his wife and his own house that he who lays the cloth is ever at the charge of the feast that there is more alacrity in assaulting than defending and that the shock of a battle's loss in our own bowels is so violent as to endanger the disjointing of the whole body there being no passion so contagious as that of fear that is so easily believed or that so suddenly diffuses itself and that the cities that should hear the rattle of this tempest at their gates that should take in the captains and soldiers yet trembling and out of breath will be in danger in this heat and hurry to precipitate themselves upon some untoward resolution notwithstanding all this so it was that he chose to recall the forces he had beyond the mountains and to suffer the enemy to come to him for he might on the other hand imagine that being at home and amongst his friends he should not fail of plenty of all manner of conveniences the rivers and passes he had at his devotion would bring him in both provisions and money in all security and without the trouble of convoy that he should find his subjects by so much the more affectionate to him by how much their danger was more near and pressing that having so many cities and barriers to secure him it would be in his power to give the law of battle at his own opportunity and advantage and that if it pleased him to delay the time 
under cover and at his ease he might see his enemy founder and defeat himself with the difficulties he was certain to encounter being engaged in a hostile country where before behind and on every side war would be made upon him no means to refresh himself or to enlarge his quarters should diseases infest them or to lodge his wounded men in safety no money no victuals but at the point of the lance no leisure to repose or take breath no knowledge of the ways or country to secure him from ambushes and surprises and in case of losing a battle no possible means of saving the remains neither is there want of example in both these cases scipio thought it much better to go attack his enemy's territories in africa than to stay at home to defend his own and to fight him in italy and it succeeded well with him but on the contrary hannibal in the same war ruined himself by abandoning the conquest of a foreign country to go and defend his own the athenians having left their enemy in their own dominions to go over into sicily were not favored by fortune in that design but agathocles king of syracuse found her favorable to him when he went over into africa and left the war at home by which examples we are wont to conclude and with some reason that events especially in war for the most part depend upon fortune who will not be governed by nor submit unto human reasons and prudence according to the poet et male consultis pretium est prudentia fallit nec fortuna probat causas sequiturque merentes sed vaga per cunctos nullo discrimine fertur scilicet est aliud quod nos cugatque regatque maius et improprias ducat mortalia leges and there is value in ill counsel prudence deceives nor does fortune inquire into causes nor aid the most deserving but turns hither and thither without discrimination indeed there is greater power which directs and rules us and brings mortal affairs under its own laws manilius book four ninety five but to take the thing right it should seem that our counsels and deliberations depend as much upon fortune as anything else we do and that she engages also our arguments in her uncertainty and confusion we argue rashly and adventurously says timaeus in plato by reason that as well as ourselves our discourses have great participation in the temerity of chance end of section 47 recording by max schörlinge